The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, it's Tony Macia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today's podcast is part of a special series we're doing in which we interview winners of the Charlotte Ledger's 40 Over 40 Awards. The recipients are people ages 40 and up who are making a big difference in the Charlotte area, people who saw a need and took action. You can find out more at ledger40over40.com. The host of today's podcast is Steve Dunn, and his day job, he's a mediator who offers dispute resolution services through the Charlotte office of Miles Mediation and Arbitration. Enjoy. Welcome to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. I'm Steve Dunn. I'm joined today by Lauren Deese, Executive Director of Charlotte Wine and Food. Welcome, Lauren. Thanks for having me. So wine and food, two of a lot of people's favorite things. Uh, is it as much fun as one might imagine to work in that world? It is a lot of fun. I get to wear a lot of hats, uh, which keeps my job interesting. Uh, I get to meet a lot of wonderful people. And of course, when you're getting together over great wine and great food, you build a lot of community. And we are doing it all for a great cause to raise money for children's charities. So it's a recipe that's a winning recipe, and it's exciting to be a part of. Well, I think a lot of people in Charlotte have heard of Charlotte Wine and Food and have seen your promotional materials. Perhaps they've been fortunate enough to attend an event. But for those who aren't as familiar with the organization, what do you do? So we were started, believe it or not, 35 years ago in 1989 by a couple of guys who were just really super wine passionate. The Napa Valley was starting to become this world-class wine area, and they wanted to find like-minded individuals to share that passion with. And out of that grew our organization, which is a nonprofit sort of charity wine auction and wine and food experience. So what's interesting is in the wine auction space, we were kind of on the earlier side of a lot of the other ones around the country. And so for many years, it was a biannual event called Charlotte Wine and Food Weekend. And since then, we've we've grown. We're now annual. There's so much going on in the city. We really have to stay on that annual calendar. It helps us keep momentum as well. We take place every year in April, and we have a couple of ancillary events as well. So it's, it's a, a full-time job. Well, I'll, I'm going to ask you all about the different things that you do as part of Charlotte Wine and Food, but the business of wine in general has really changed in that time period. You mentioned 35 years ago and sort of the advent of Napa Valley as being uh, around that time for the first time, a wine growing region that attained stature around the world. And since then, that has only grown. And I think it's accurate to say that wine has grown in all 50 states of the United States. And, and the, the business has changed a lot. It's, it's moved a lot toward the high end, but there's also a lot, just a lot more options and a lot more information out there for people who are enthusiastic about wine. So your organization who was founded by these individuals who were passionate a long time ago must have grown along with the wine business as a whole. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting that 
you know, obviously we have old world wines from, you know, Europe, which are all imported. And then we have our domestic, you know, wine regions here from California. Obviously, Napa Valley and Sonoma are well known, but Paso is is making headway. You've got beautiful wines up in Oregon and Washington, of course, New York. And then, believe it or not, Virginia, North Carolina, you're right. You know, New Mexico, there's so many places growing wine all over the world. And the wine world has a lot to offer. And I, I know it, it can be intimidating for some people, but I think the exciting thing about it is it is about people. It's about culture. It's about travel. And, you know, you can just always learn. So, just go out, try new things, and eventually it starts starts to compute. I've done a lot of wine education, but there's always something to learn, and, and you can like whatever you like. You know, there's a, a lot of varieties out there. I think that's something that uh, a lot of people fail to appreciate. If, uh, if you're intimidated by wine, or if you feel like you have to know something about it, or if you feel like there's any kind of barrier just remember, it's really just about what you like. And everybody has different tastes. You know, I've been in rooms with wine drinkers who are all knowledgeable, but who just like different things. And that's fine. So it can be just as simple as, and a tasting is a wonderful way to find out, to experience wines one after another and compare them to each other. And in that way, develop your own sense of what your own tastes are. Yeah, and there's a lot of wine stores all over and, and restaurants offering dinners. And so there's just a lot of a lot of ways around town to get involved and to learn. So I encourage people, you know, if you if you don't know what you like, always ask ask for the beverage director or the SOM to to help you out and kind of guide you. But you try enough and eventually you figure out, you know, what you like. And you go through phases too. So it's it's a, it's a pursuit. It's one of those things where you can you can enjoy it just as a, a nice glass of wine to have with dinner, and don't think about it any more deeply than that. But it's also richly rewarding if you become really interested. It's, it's almost infinite the the depth of knowledge that's available to you. And part of what Charlotte Wine and Food does is present wine at its best, along with great. Food. So during Wine and Food Week, you have uh, a bunch of events. What's going on? So we bring in winemakers, wine industry experts from all over the world and present them through a series of events from vintner dinners to this year, a really exciting new collector's gala we put on with a live auction to a walk around tasting on Saturday, which is a grand tasting with over 20 different wine stations, 12 different chefs, live music. And then we wrapped it up with a bubble brunch with Chandon. And we also had a celebration of Spanish food and wine. So those were some kind of signature themed events uh, that we wrapped it up on Sunday. So it's a lot of a lot of variety. But most of all, you know, we are the only people in town that are really bringing in those high-end, beautiful wineries from all over the world and celebrating wine, putting wine sort of first. I always say we're Charlotte wine and food. And so, but we we do that with all of our incredible culinary talent here in Charlotte. So you've got events, uh, they're lo- a lot of them are located at restaurants, right? The tastings? Yeah. So all of our vintner dinners are either in private homes or in restaurants. So we really rely on those partners for those those events, but they all feature a 
wine industry expert who has come in town specifically for the occasion. And you are doing it for a cause. There, You are a nonprofit whose mission includes fundraising, and you're supporting charities. Are they always children-related charities? Yes. So we are, our tagline that we rolled out in 2020 is connoisseurs for a cause. So we really are bringing together wine and food passionate people in our community all with the mission to fundraise for children's charities. So yes, they are local charities and they are children's focused and have been that way for the betterment of about 15 years now. There was a time that the causes were not necessarily children's focused, but they were nonetheless local causes. But we have focused on children for the last 15 years. Who did you support this year? This year, we supported the Learning Collaborative, which is a tuition-free preschool in the Greer Heights community. They support 72 children annually. Then there's Augustine Literacy Project. So they send volunteer tutors that they train into the school system to help children get to reading level. At Basically, if you don't hit reading level by third grade, you start falling exponentially behind. So that's a key milestone for children. Basically, you learn to read and then you read to learn. So that's that's very important. Um, and they know that there's many, many students in our population that could use their services. Um, and so they're trying to grow and train more and more tuners. So uh, then followed by that is Gen 1. So Gen 1 uh, helps first-generation students navigate to and through high school and into college. So they help them navigate the process of finding scholarships and just applying and where do I want to go and all those things that, you know, their parents did not go through. And what we see with them is just the, that helping them get across that financial barrier to college helps keep them in college and then ultimately creates generational change for those families. So just love what they're doing. And then last but not least, of course, is A Child's Place, which is a program of Thompson Child and Family Focus. And they essentially support families that are experiencing homelessness with a social work program to help them find stability. So we always say, you know, of course, if children aren't giving a stable home life, all of that education gets impacted, right? So collectively, we like to think that this group is supporting upward mobility in Charlotte, which we know is something that our city is is really focusing on since the study came out a couple of years saying how hard it was uh, in our city. So we're really proud of all of them. And, and it's just makes our job so rewarding at the end of the day. Well, it's an event that really gets the Charlotte wine community motivated. It is circled on the calendar every year. It gives these wine collectors and drinkers an excuse to pull out their special bottles, whether it's to donate that to the auction or to pop a cork and enjoy after one of the special vintner dinners. You know, with this podcast, I try as hard as possible not to ever place it in time. Like I don't refer to the weather or current events or anything like that. But I'm going to break all those rules right now because <laughs> your event was April 17 to 21, 2023. And the reason why I'm, I'm willing to mark us in time <laughs> in that way is to ask you what it's like when your job revolves so much around driving toward a certain week and then that week is done. Do you Are you able to get some sleep? Do you take vacation? Oh, what do you do? That's a great question. You know, I always say it's kind of like if you've been married 
it's kind of like you throw a wedding every year. And when it's done, you're so exhausted, but it's bittersweet. You know, it's over and you're finally ready to take some time for yourself. But at the same time, it's so exciting to see, to bring everybody together, to finally see the culmination of so many months of hard work. And most of all, to see the funds that we've raised. We get excited for our tech presentation, which is always the end of June, to give all the money away. So I, I'm bullish, but I think we've had the best year since I've been in this position, which is, this was my sixth Charlotte Wine and Food Week, my fourth that was in full capacity, given we survived COVID. But it's it's pretty exciting. and. I'm just extra excited because it, we had such a good year. So it's probably it's you and the accountants who are all sleeping for the latter part of April, right? Because you've, <laughs> I always think about the accountants. Like once tax season finally wraps up, like I think it's just this mad crush toward a deadline, and then the deadline's passed, and you're you still got to wrap up, and and there's some fun type things that you get to do, like present the money, uh, but. There are aspects of it that you don't have to worry about anymore, at least until next year. And I wonder, as the date is drawing closer, what are the things that keep you up night wondering about? Like, what are the things that could go wrong for Charlotte Wine and Food? Oh, well, I laugh every year that some, something, is all, something surprising is always going to happen that was beyond my capability to even imagine, because that's just the nature of events. I think they say that running events is one of the most uh, stressful jobs <laughs> that a person can have. And and the fact is that it is bringing a lot of people together. It is team oriented and it's about people. It's about human community. And, and sometimes there's also the perceptions, some people's perception of an experience versus another people's perception of experience may be different. Fortunately, we've never had anything catastrophic happen but but there are always there's always something and so oh, flight gets delayed the winemaker doesn't show up the, the boxes get misdelivered stuff like yes that. yes or or you know you forgot to print the signage out that right. you were supposed to there's always something and i've learned to just stay calm and as long as you have a good team around you you just have to be solution oriented and you have to be flexible and fast to try and solve around those those things that arise and be humble. Well, you spend the whole year uh, planning it. I imagine we're, we're not even going to speak of this just yet, but I'm sure that the planning for next year begins pretty soon. I imagine you're probably already thinking about it. You've got that coming up. And, and so you plan and plan and plan. You put things in place. You get everything organized and locked down. And then comes the event itself what do you what are you doing for that actual week are you are you going to events every do you go to all of them well I, I do get to as many as possible so usually on Wednesday and Thursday we'll have anywhere from six to ten events so obviously I, I in a period of three hours so those are the dinners and I it's hard for me to to get to all of them but I do I run around and I try and see as many people as possible and say thank you and and check on everybody and uh, see our sponsors, see our patrons, see so many people that have, have come together to make everything possible. So I do my best. Uh, I also send our staff members around to the places I can't get. So somebody from Charlotte Wine and Food is is present at at everything, but we're lucky we have great great restaurant partners and we we put a lot of trust in them and they usually deliver with flying colors. So we are so appreciative of everything that they do. Well, we are the Charlotte Ledger. And we're interested in the Charlotte community and the city of Charlotte. And you are a Charlotte native. 
a graduate of Myers Park High School. Lived here, were you you born in Charlotte? I was born in Charlotte. I grew up in the South Park area. My parents are still in the same house I grew up in. I moved, well, I went to NC State, and then directly after graduation, I moved to New York City. And I stayed there for just about 10 years before locating back to Charlotte. And it's definitely, it's not the city that I grew up in anymore. It's it's exciting for me to see the the progress and the change. But it's also there's there's also things you 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 know you, you miss and lament. But I'm really proud of of our growth as a city, how we're growing, and it's also really exciting to be a part of. I think our culinary scene is having a moment that it has never had before. We were always sort of falling behind Asheville or Charleston, and it's I'm I'm most interested in the homegrown concepts that are happening here, the people who are really putting down base in our community and doing exciting things. And I could name a few, but I'm not going to play favorites. But there's so many cool ones out there. They they know, most of them know if I'm a fan. So I was going to say the same thing. You, you read my mind on that. It's, you know, it used to be the case in Charlotte that you could try every new restaurant of note that opened, like all of them. Now, maybe it's just because I'm getting older, but I feel like that's it's not possible for me anymore to keep up. No, it, it's hard. It's very, very hard to keep up. I do my best. But like I said, we have a lot we have a lot of influx of really amazing restaurants coming from some of our feeder markets that are opening second and third locations here. But I, I like I said, I'm really most excited about the ones that are kind of creating from scratch here in our community. You moved away from Charlotte for 10 years. You come back. What's the first thing you notice when you get back about this town and how it's changed since you've been gone? Nobody went uptown when I was a kid. Right. I went to the library there a couple of times, but that that to me was a big change that people were living uptown and that there was a new thriving community of restaurants and entertainment. So that was a big change. And then, of course, I think the most interesting thing to me is that South End, in 2009, when I got back, South End was just sort of in an incubator stage, if, if you will. And what's happened there in the last, I guess, almost 15 years I've been back is really, I'm speechless. Well, actually, you know, it's, it's, it's nuts. It's like we have a whole nother uptown almost at this point. And just the, the fact that so many young people want to move here, to me, is also really interesting. We've become a place for people to move out of college and and that area is is part of part of the reason for that I think it's definitely catering to a younger crowd. What do you say to that younger crowd? Those younger people who are moving to Charlotte out of college and starting their careers, they're looking at you and they're seeing someone who is an executive director, uh, someone who is rubbing elbows with all the best restaurateurs and wine connoisseurs in town, and many of whom would be very interested in following in your footsteps. What do you think about what those folks are going through now, and what sort of advice would you give to them? I always, you know, when I look back, I think the best thing you can do is when you approach any job or or want to get involved in something is have a good attitude, be solution-oriented, don't be afraid to talk to people, build build good relationships. It's really the human connection is, to me, the most important thing sometimes. Um, that's why I think COVID was so hard on people. And I, 
I think Charlotte is a land of opportunity, uh, especially now, and it's an exciting place to be. And I think they that's what drew a lot of those people here. Um, not to mention we have beautiful weather, all four seasons, beaches and mountains, and it's just a it's it's a wonderful place to live. I left for a reason, and I left for an adventure. But being back and being a part of our community is really important to me, and it's uh, exciting to have this job where I get to meet so many wonderful people and also support so many wonderful causes to make our future better. Well, that's a great place to leave it. Lauren Dees, thank you so much for being with me today on the Charlotte Ledger podcast. Where can our listeners find out more about Charlotte Wine and Food? Follow us on social media or visit charlottewineandfood.org. That's it. Thanks so much for being with us today on the Charlotte Ledger podcast. That's it for today. The Charlotte Ledger podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. And you can find out more about our 40 over 40 awards at ledger40over40.com. Queen City Podcast Network.com.